It's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. How many of you know what the FOMC meeting is? The FOMC meeting is the meeting of the Federal uh, Reserve's Board of Governors. It's a big meeting because it comes right down to your kitchen table, right to your credit card rates, loan rates, housing, you want to buy a new car, affects your 401k, your various retirement plans, maybe that uh, ability to save some money for your kids with a 527, 529 rather, whatever it is. The average American is paying the price for the Biden economy. And while no president has full and absolute control of the economy, the effect of the administration's policies result in both actions and reactions by the markets, the market movers, by manufacturers, by global suppliers, by just about every aspect of our economy. And again, right down to your kitchen table. Your average 401k has gone down somewhere around $34,000 this year. Core inflation at its highest point in 40 years. And yet President Biden tells us the economy is strong as hell and he's concerned about other economies while pretending or ignorant of the fact that our economy is not an island, but rather part of a global economy. What will Congress do? What can Congress do, if anything, to address the policy decisions and actions of this administration? Separation of the three branches of government is important, but can Congress do something? Representative Andy Biggs from Arizona's 5th District joins me now. That's the question, Andy. What can you and your fellow Republicans do if given the majorities in Congress? Well, David, uh, what we're going to have to do is, first of all, we can take down the inflation or cost increase by about 40 percent by just unleashing America's own energy uh, uh, competency. I mean, we've got reserves, the best, the most in the world, cleanest oil and gas. If we start unleashing that, you will see within just a few months' time a reduction in the in the price pressure by 40% because everything depends on oil and gas in this economy. Not just people think just your cars. It isn't just your cars. It's petrochemical products uh, that are in virtually everything. So that's that's one way to deal with that at the start. The second thing is— Well, if I may, Representative Biggs, my question yeah. then for the audience, and they ask this question, is— how, if given the House, could you do that? What, what are the tools at your disposal? And should the Democrats maintain a margin, but still a majority, a slim margin, in the Senate even more difficult? So how? Well, so there. here's the leverage points, David, and that's a great question. The, the leverage points are, number one, there will be probably five what we call must-pass pieces of legislation, and it will take leadership and you're right. It will take leadership on the part of the Republican Party in the House to do this. But you're going to they're going to have to say, look, you, the president needs a budget. We're not going to give him that budget unless he includes policies that reduce inflation, secure our border. Uh, and and so I, can, I can give you a list of, of a whole bunch of things. But but at that point, if we say those are going into the spending bill, 
the budget bill, then it's up to Joe Biden. And if he vetoes that bill, it shuts down the government. But you have to have the courage to do that. That's a leverage point. You have the farm bills, a leverage point. The NDAA is a leverage point. Um, and and there'll be, there will certainly be, uh, you're going to have a debt limit. They're going to try to increase the debt limit again. So they're going to want all, when I say they, I mean the Biden administration is going to want all those bills. And you use the leverage points on those bills. That's step one. The other leverage points, you've got several other leverage points. The other leverage points are you have oversight hearings and you broadcast to the world what's going on with individuals in the, in the administration and what they're doing wrong and how we could correct them and force them to be there. Third thing is you reintroduce the Holman Rule. The Holman Rule allows us to reduce the pay of specific bureaucrats who are failing to enforce the law. I think of Secretary Mayorkas. I think he, he's a number four uh, piece, but I mean, just, I'm using him as an example. You would say you're not going to get paid anymore. You're not going to get benefits anymore. Uh, unless you enforce our law. And that leads us to number four, and that's what I call constitution discipline. And that that would be an impeachment uh, hearing for some people, like a Mayorkas, like a Merrick Garland. These are people that have basically tried to kill this republic uh, with bad laws. So those are four leverage points right there that the, that the Republicans could use to try to uh, attack everything from the energy policy to border security to other inflationary uh, measures that this administration has done. And then the never forget, we have to reduce spending. And the, the House has the constitutional uh, uh, authority to, to the purse strings. And so that means you start reducing spending, and that'll impact inflation as well. So let's take us a uh, next step, uh, a step further, rather. My guest, Representative uh, Andy Biggs, the—, the rule change that began in 1975 in the House. This changed and gave the Speaker, whoever the Speaker happens to be, much more power. It also removed from the committees. Committee hearings dropped precipitously and have stayed low since then compared to where they were. Uh, Bills were put together in these gigantic behemoths even more so and that took us away from regular order which would return power or at least more power maybe it's power sharing to the relevant committees you're talking about committee leverage essentially in your comments to help that it would require that the leadership of the republican party make a change which the speaker's office could do to make sure that we get back to a regular order within the house therefore giving you and the other committees house ways and means house finance judiciary and others the ability to actually review and have some influence on legislation yeah and you're exactly right and that's why the house freedom caucus has put together a whole new set of rules a rules package and we have moved uh, and requested that that this leadership that the current make up in the house since i'm just the republican side would actually allow us to vote on that rules package before we vote on leadership for the republicans why is that important because you got to know uh, are, do, are we electing leaders that would democratize and support the democratizing uh and reinstitution of things like you're talking about giving the committee's authority um, and and moving to like the regular order on the budget and those types of things, because that's in our budget and our rules package. We want to know if 
if anybody who's running for leadership in the Republican conference wants to adopt those rules. And so it's important that we do that beforehand. But right now, this current leadership is not they've used procedural maneuvers to prevent us from getting a vote on whether we should even consider the rules before voting. In other words, it's a procedural deal, and they're stopping that, and they've used procedures to prevent us from actually voting to hear the rules package before we vote on leaders. And I think that says a lot, and it ain't good, about where this leadership or proposed leadership team's going. And then that's actually one of my major concerns. You know, the the I often use the term the butterfly effect, but in this case, this is more than a butterfly. That that change would separate the power that's been consolidated, and whether it's Kevin McCarthy or someone else who successfully challenges him, and right now it looks that way. Uh, I I don't have faith in his willingness or ability any more than, say, a former speaker, Paul Ryan, or others who didn't do anything. Again, we go back to what happened under Rockefeller's leadership in in 1975 when this was changed, and here we are, nothing's been done. Yeah, I mean, and that is the the biggest problem, and I've, I've argued this to some of many of my colleagues, that if we're going to do well in 24 and get the presidency back and have all levers of power, then you have to do something in 22, uh, uh, from you know in 23 and 24, in those legislative years. And if you're going to do that, then you have to change the rules. You have to loosen the grip of those those three or four people in your leadership. You have to give them over to committee chairman. You have to democratize it. So, and I hate to use that term. But you have to uh, uh, decent, let's put it, put it this way, decentralize power out of the hands of the leadership and into the hands of representatives. Of Each one of us represents 750,000 people or something like that. E- each one of us has a voice and needs to be heard. Um, and you've got committee chairmen who are going to make decisions. And you've got other procedures and uh, that, that would allow members to cause votes, have debates, and and work hard and show the American people that we can be trusted to implement policies that will slow down the Biden regime's maniacal uh, uh, effort to take us off the socialist cliff, or, or they're going to see that we can't do it. But the point is, if we don't change the rules, David, um, I fear that we're going to have the stasis that Paul Ryan gave us, and that's not good for america by the way let me correct myself i I guess somewhere in my brain i was thinking ahead to the third hour when i have a senator on uh marsha blackburn because i want to ask her about the senate 75 was also the change in the under nelson rockefeller as a senator the change in the cloture rule which is another problem uh with that that little scam going on in the senate and i just call it what it is but uh back to the house with you representative biggs and I know earlier it was a little more pronounced. Andy, how you doing? You know, but that's yeah, you, you know, David. Yeah, you know me. <laughs> we, we've talked a while, but you know, these these things are are so important in, in beyond principle 
to get us back to a properly working body. And, you know, Republican speaker after speaker and leadership after leadership has failed to take this up. Now, you've grown, you know, the Freedom Caucus and many others who are not members of the caucus but share the concern. Uh, is Are there enough to mount uh, a opposition, uh, an effort to to change the rules, to remove things like raising money for committee assignments. I, I see the value and the need for money in politics as part of it to, to do what you need to do in the business of politics, and that's what it is in part. But it's ridiculous that meritocracy has been thrown out by the very party in leadership and not everyone, but the very party that preaches meritocracy. Yeah, well, there, you, you, you want to know what gave birth to the House Freedom Caucus. It is, it is things like what you're talking about. I mean, and so the Freedom Caucus does have enough, if everybody stays together in the Freedom Caucus, to, to leverage, uh, to leverage adoption of a rules package that would be, benefit every member of the Republican Party, which would then in turn benefit the institution, and which would in turn benefit the United States of America. But, but it it, it does require a, a certain amount of unification, and let's let's also call it what it is. If if there's if there's a huge win, and and I don't think anybody can tell us one way or the other. But if it, if there's a huge margin, let's say a, a forty plus. Well, I, I'm, I'm even going to say 20, 25 plus margin. It makes it much harder for the Freedom Caucus to have those leverage points than if it's a 13 to 15 seat, 20, 18 seat margin. Yeah, you know, uh, and, to that and, point, and that, I'm sorry, yeah. finish your thought. Go ahead. Yeah, and I'm just going to say, and, lever- and, and David, leverage, whether it's adopting rules or passing legislation, or uh, that is a key component of a legislative body and how a legislative body works. There's another point here that I'd like to ask you about, and that is the obvious number of votes needed to seat a speaker, 218. And, you know, the math is, of course, before the election, never determined and maybe take a while after. But if there's enough of a challenge, doesn't that uh, give you a leverage point to say, you know, if we can't overcome, then at least you have to give to get the 218? Yeah, and that's that's the, in a rather oblique way what uh, what I was saying in an oblique way, um, because what happens is the process is um, you have your election on the the eighth, and then on the fourteenth uh, we go back uh, into session, and in the meantime the Republicans will be having their will be having our private conference meetings where we will be electing leadership and adopting rules. I think it's important to adopt the rules first before you go to leadership. In that, clo- in those closed meetings, that's where you determine um, who your nominee for speaker is going to be, right? So, so Kevin Kevin McCarthy's running, of course, and if he gets the the majority, and I suspect he will, or the vast majority of the Republicans to vote for him to be the nominee, he still has to deliver on the floor 218 votes. And that's where the leverage comes in. And that's where there has to be discussion. There has to be um, some way to move this and decentralize power from from the leadership and get it back to 
uh, whether it's committee chairman or, uh, you know, just the members themselves. I mean, the first thing Pelosi did was add to the consolidation of power, right? She took away the ability to remove a speaker. And, and you would think that that would be easy. You would think that Republicans would say, okay, that has to go back in. It's the body that gets to remove the speaker, right? But they, they're, at least so far, they've been loath to do that. But, we'll, I mean, it's that closed-door meeting, David, which determines the leverage point. No, I'm just going to throw it out there. I am more than willing to come down for freshman week, <laughs> spend a little time at the Hyatt with those freshmen, and sit in and help uh, keep them galvanized, just in case you wanted to invite me down. I know it really won't happen, <laughs> but, but you get me in the room with those freshman congressional members, uh, House members, uh, and, and we can see what we can do. Got to stand together. Uh, Representative Andy Biggs from Arizona's 5th District. Uh, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks so much, David. Great to be with you. Appreciate it, sir. Thank you. You can join me live on The David Webb Show Monday to Friday, 9 to noon East, on Sirius XM Patriot 125.